Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, it's previously noted, and we don't want to make a fuss about this. No, no, no! Don't pay attention no, to just, us. Honestly, we it's fine. Keep it's our heads fine. down. It's fine. We get on with yeah. things. We're just carrying on. But as previously mentioned, we spent the weekend in the hospital. So, with these two nurses, who I want to say are both ballpark twenty-nine years old, the topic arises around women being less afraid of needles and blood. Yes. Somehow this winds up with my husband, who is 50 years old, saying to two women who are, again, maybe 29, and they're doing a wonderful job working for the NHS. I remember you saying to them, almost imploringly as the adverb I might choose, women bleed. Every month they bleed. I'm still trying to convey that you're used to it. The sight of blood, squeamishness around blood is less of a factor for the woman than it is for the man. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I am not one for women be like this and men be like this. I'm really not. No, you're not. What I feel you were doing, if I may, was showing these young women what a man can be. <laughs> I think you were like, I'm a dude. I would buy my wife tampons or any old thing without... I'd oh, oh, yeah. If, without... If, if, if I go to the shopper to pick up tampons and they say, would you like a bag? I say, no, thanks. Not for environmental reasons, but I want people in the street to see that I'm happy buying tampons. You stride of pride. <laughs> you stride of pride if you got those tampons in your hand. You're that man. And I think you were trying to show these young women that you are comfortable discussing <laughs> menstruation with the women. But these two women, they were like, I don't understand why this old man is saying the sentence, <laughs> women bleed. And I started to laugh. I was so uncomfortable, I started to laugh. I think I tried in the moment to pass it off as like, don't we just love our wonderful NHS workers who we underpay? But really, the moment struck me as so funny. Do you think given that we spent the weekend in a hospital due to an emergency, that was the worst thing that happened? It probably was. Women bleed! Okay. Let's tell them about the guests on this week's episode. So I don't know if you guys have been listening, but assuming you have, you know, what have we been into recently? What have I been banging the drum for? Boat story. And what do you think I'm going to do? Not fucking get some lubrication and squeeze that bottle of lube onto my big D and slide my 
big D. Look at this me. I'm thrusting it right now. I'm thrusting my lubed this is, this is middle-aged big D into the dry. What I really want to say is there's no shame in needing assisted lubrication after a certain <laughs> age. I'm going to slide into the DMs of the Williams brothers. Oh, who are the Williams brothers? Oh, they're only the writers, exec producers, and showrunners of Boat Story. So they created Boat Story and The Tourist and The Missing and then Baptiste. They're the producers of Fleabag. Sorry, what was that one called? It's, it's, F- they're F- called Fleabag. Flea, I think Flea it was on BBC bag? Three Flea some years bag? ago. Yes. Uh, and Back to Life. Oh, Daisy, Daisy Haggard show, which was wonderful. Anyway, that's who we're speaking to this week. It was really, it was just a delight. You're going to love them. Our guests later creators of Boat Story, etc. Harry and Jack Williams. You gotta love it when Fleabag is just part of an etc. My quick watch this week, recommended by friend of the pod, Jan McBerry, was Winning Time, colon, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, which is a fictionalized version of what happened to the Lakers between the 1970s and the 1990s. And the Lakers are a basketball troupe. Yeah. Do you think they dance? Are you confusing them with the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh, yes, I think I might be, yeah. You yeah. know those are the only ones who do special tricks. Really? So they're not all clicking the fingers? They're not all troops. I think that they're called teams. <laughs> okay. So I remember from Jan's email last week that John C. Riley stars in it. Mm-hmm. Adam McKay is somehow behind it. And it's starring this actor, Jason Clark. And I was like, Jason Clark was in a movie about my favorite topic, Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> he was a hiker who climbed and died. You know they die on the way down all the time. Yeah, yeah, you've, t- you've told me this. Quite I don't know often. if I've told you, you this, this about Everest, often. but you often so, die so, coming down. So these these LA Lakers, then w- would even I know the names of some of the players? Magic Johnson. Yes. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't. You don't know the name Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? No. Nope. I don't know how tall he was, but I think it was like nine feet or something really crazy. But you don't have to be really tall to be good at basketball because I've seen the film Teen Wolf, <laughs> and famously Michael J. Fox is quite short, even when he transforms into a wolf. Well, one of the things I've already learned about basketball is that there was some concern about Magic Johnson being too tall because if you're too tall, you're not a good dribbler because uh-huh. you get it's, it, right? It's the got distance. too far to bounce. And it is a story told well then yes so first of all i don't know what this adam mckay does with his camera work it is so singular it's so good what are these people doing when things look like they're from the 70s in such an appealing way Mm. here's my one ish it has a lot of that the big short style to it so suddenly the actors start talking to the camera oh breaking the fourth wall now Here's how I feel. You know, sometimes you see someone who's like, I'm in a full caftan, but I'm a model. So I still look amazing. And you're like, fuck you. Like, wear something nice like the rest of us have to. (laughs) And I I feel that way a little bit about the two camera stuff that Adam McKay does. I feel like he's sort of going, I'm so fucking good at this that even when my characters start talking to the camera, which is only annoying. It's not only annoying. Like Fleabag did it. Gary Shandling did it in its Gary Shandling show. I don't like when Adam McKay's characters do it. Okay. For some reason, there's a confidence to it that I don't find winning. (laughs) Confidence is a very unappealing quality. Yeah. And I'm just out there going, tell me the story a different way, Mr. McKay. No, you say it's got this 70s feel (gasps) to it. Well, this is what I went to ask you about. Because you go, I think 70s, I think a lot of industrial action, the dead going unburied, bin strikes, 
this is why America is better. <laughs> or at least it was 40 years ago. Um, no, think L.A. Think <laughs> palm trees. Think Farrah Fawcett hair. Think those small titties. Do you think we can judge moments in history by whether or not they prioritize small titties or big titties? Took me through some other eras. I mean, I really don't know what I'm talking about. But, <laughs> but I think it's 70s small titties. 80s big titties, 90s big titties. But do you not think it went 90s starts with your big titties, your Baywatch, and then we're into the waifs? Fair. Small titties. Okay, big titty, small titty. Then I'd like to get to like 2004. (laughs) Okay. And then I think it was like big titties. They were back. But then Jay-Z sang, but up top, oh, two bee stings. So then I feel like small titties are back. Well, I don't know if you're ever planning on doing a PhD, but your, your doctorate could be about the epochs of mankind told through the big titty, small titty <laughs> hypothesis. My hands are full enough taking care of you. So it's a 70s, small-breasted, welcoming environment? Yes. And then what they show in the pilot is a white party. Do you know about white parties? Oh, does Elton John throw one? I think Diddy Puff Daddy used to throw one. If you have ever been to a party where everyone is dressing in one color, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Don't you think dress codes are bizarre? I once knew somebody who sent out swatches of material to every guest attending their wedding. That is a piece of shit. (laughs) Am I wrong? No. Like, people mostly don't want to go to your wedding. As it happens, I would like to go to a wedding because I never get invited because of my attitude problems. (laughs) But then you're going to add to that a swatch of fabric? Are you insane? So are you in it with this show? Are you going to carry on watching it? I thought it was amazing. And if you're at a loose end, give this a go because it was wonderful. Okay. I've decided to talk about Doctor Who again. Lazy motherfucker. Before you go any further, I was never allowed to do this with Sex in the City or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> but there are new rules when Jeff is the one invested in a program. No, so no, new no. rules the, for the, the big dog. The new rules dog. are about the fact that I was at the hospital all weekend and this was the only thing that I was able to watch with our son. So I've got very little else to talk about. But it was really good. So it's the last of the three Doctor Who specials with David Tennant and Catherine Tate. And it was the first time we saw Shuti Gatwa as the new Doctor. And I thought it was excellent. And I wound up watching it with you and had another big weeping fest. I will say for me what a lot of it boils down to, and maybe it's just across these three episodes, is the friendship between David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Oh my God, it it moves me. I really love David Tennant. His personality is incredible. He's so charismatic. I think I'm quite upset that I could never be that person. Do you ever have that where you just think, oh, that person's so much better than I am in every way? That's a very interesting question. I mean, yes, I I think that all the time. But like, I think I just wish that I could. There's a certain way that some women look in jeans. And that's all I want. (laughs) Are you trying to convert people? Are you talking to adults? And are you saying to them, There is something here for you. I think if you've never seen it, maybe give it a go. I think if you've never liked it, then you're not going to be won over. I think if you liked it when it came back with Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant and then you lost interest, come back, come home to it because it is as good as it was in that era. Um, The guest star in this episode, this final of the specials, was Neil Patrick Harris, (sighs) who uh, people will probably best know as um, Doogie Howser, MD the child doctor he's not how i best know him do you know how i best know him i was at some play in the spring of 98 and i watched fucking neil patrick harris start a standing ovation and i thought 
you have to be a real piece of shit to start a standing ovation. Oh, yeah, the worst people. The worst people. I want to sit down and clap. I can, I, I can even whoop on occasion. Do I want to rise to my feet? Absolutely not. And I resent the person who starts that standing ovation. I think the self-confidence required, especially if you're a celebrity, to be like, I will stand up first is lunacy in motion. <laughs> and I have always felt negatively toward him since then, which I think is sort of unfair because he's probably a nice guy. He's very good. He's playing a villain um, that originally featured in Doctor Who in the 60s and I don't think has been seen on screen since. The toy maker. Yeah, and you said to me, he's very good, but it's not subtle what he's doing, is it? No, this is not in the invisible acting camp, <laughs> but it's not supposed to be. Yeah. Anyway, Doctor Who really made the most of Neil Patrick Harris's talents to the extent that they gave him a choreographed routine to spice up your life. Oh my God, that was so amazing. And what about Bonnie Langford? Yes. <gasps> she was amazing in it. And it was just a wonderful hour of my life. So I would say to the partners of people in Doctor Who households, give these three episodes a go and maybe show up on Christmas Day for Shuti Gatwa's first big episode. How are you feeling about Shuti? He appeared in The Regeneration. And I burst into tears. <laughs> it's because, and just so we're very clear, I am right now talking about how amazing I am. I sometimes burst into tears based solely on talent. Like sometimes someone is so amazing that I just start crying. I always weep when people bow if they were really good. Like if I ever go to the theater, which oh, I often I, don't. I find a curtain call very moving, even if it was a bad play. They're looking at each other and saying, we did it. We got through it. Here we are. <laughs> You're going to fucking hate this because it's so snotty. But I think try fucking stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you guys manage to sing and dance? <laughs> Yay. We want you in our inbox, please. Uh, here's an idea. So it's possibly that you might get into basketball now off the back of this LA Lakers show. Do you think so? No, but... So I thought the thing we could ask people for, has there ever been a real-life activity that you have gotten into through watching the dramatised version of it on TV or in a film? Also, are there any eras you just like to see on screen like you in the 70s? I think I'm done with, like, anything 50s, 40s, certain now. But once we're into 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I'm ready to start seeing the early noughties represent head. Do you have any hypotheses to match Sarah's eras of titties hypotheses? <laughs> oh, and uh, good examples of talking to camera, um, characters breaking the fourth wall. The way we were looking for like classy examples of uh, narration. Exactly. What part were you born to play? Have you ever seen a celebrity start a standing <laughs> ovation in the theatre? And your TV recommendations, please. The email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. We genuinely love getting email from you. Oh, you don't even understand how much we love it. It makes me so happy. Sleigh bells ring, tis the season. We got, we got this like teeny tiny, I'll be candid with you, a teeny tiny today... I just clicked on and I saw, oh, look at this little new spattering of Patreon members. And it made me feel so happy. We're nowhere near where I need to be for me to get my eyes done. But maybe the last couple of videos that I've put out, you know, we had my friend Jen Brister on and we put out a little video on the socials. If you're not following us on the socials, follow us on the socials. I got my blue tick, bitches. <laughs> I'm blue tick baron, bitch. Give me a follow. I don't actually care if you give me a follow, but I do care if you join the Patreon. The reason I'm mentioning my Instagram right now is that if you look at the videos, you really see my eye bags oh, coming Sarah, to their own. But you look listen, on the listen, I do from the right 
angle relative to my own ambition for looking attractive. And then if I lean into the light incorrectly, you really see the under eye bags that Dr. Craythorne and I discussed when I met her. And she said, I'm not the woman for the job, but I know the guy who is. Join the Patreon. Help me get my fucking eyes done. And get a load of bonus content as well. The BOCO. Here's what you get for your BOCO, bitch. Number one, you get the extended interviews. We talk to these people. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you're saying to me, why do I want more of the interview? You're, you're not saying it in a hostile way. You're saying it in a lovely way. Sarah, I'm open. Pitch me. I'll fucking pitch you. Two reasons. Number one, this is a heavily edited podcast. Okay? This is fucking tight. If you would like to hear how we actually talk to each other and others, that shit is in the extended. Also, are you interested in writing? Do you like that kind of stuff? Do you kind of want to write? Do you listen to this podcast because your little secret dream that you hold in your heart is that you would love to write television one day? Maybe you feel that way in your 24. Maybe you feel that way in your 44 or 64. We welcome all ambitions. Okay? even though youth is fetishized. The point is, is that you can learn a lot about writing because we're talking to these writers. So that's the extended. Also, you get a little watch list. So you can always just defer. Wait, where was that show? Wait, what episode? I don't It's so much easier to search through than re-listening to our podcast. Fabulous though it is. And then if you join for five pounds and above, I voice note you every Friday. Plus, None of you fuckers. This is now I'm pivoting. Okay, this is a swift piv. I was just talking to people I want to join people who are already joined. You need to be sending me your birthdays. I pitched so hard to get your phone numbers, but I forgot to ask you for your fucking birthday. Everyone who's five pound and above my mother will send you a birthday message. Give me those birth dates, bitch, so I can put her to work. She loves the task. Well, you're busy ladies in your family, aren't you? Very busy. We like (laughs) a full roster of events that need ticking off. So join that Patreon. Jeff, give them the link. It is patreon.com stroke they like to watch. And coming up later, this, by the way, is an interview that you want to hear the extended version of because they were just so great. Creators of Boat Story, the Williams Brothers. Well, we've been and gone and did it. We finally watched Slow Horses. Uh, We've only watched season one so far. Here's what I think we're doing. There's this real sense that Slow Horses is becoming a thing, and it has been a slow horse, slow burn. Oh. And a lot of people like us are thinking, oh, I should probably get into that. And we are here to say, yes, it's worth it. We've done that thing. And now we are full speed ahead on the slow horse to season three. Yes. And I think if we're both being honest with ourselves, we wouldn't have found the fire under our buttholes to do it if we weren't people who had to do a podcast. Exactly. But now we're so glad that we did. And it's such a great idea. It's like like the naughty step for um, spies and spooks. Yes. So it's where the sort of shitty spies go because they can't really make it an MI5. So they're shunted off to this shitty little outpost where they are still spies, but they're not really allowed any responsibility because of whatever reason. And there's some big deal actors in it as well. Gary Oldman is the ostensible lead. He he is the head of this unit. Mm-hmm. But also you've got Kristen Scott Thomas in there. Oh. And she is magnificent. You've also got yourself a little crush on a boy called Jack Loden. Yeah, I did. Is it Loden, Loden? Oh, I have no idea. But it's like one of those. Him. I said to Jeff as we were watching, I think that like, like, do you feel, here's a question. Do you feel, whoever you are, like 
you have a primal type. So you're you're probably married to your emotional type, whether you know it or not. But I think we all, and I feel comfortable saying this in front of my husband because I know your primal type. We won't discuss it here because you feel less comfortable talking about it openly. But I am not your primal physical type. I'm a nice lady you got to know <laughs> with a sparkling personality who is going to be think... fine enough physically. No, and, more but than that. I'm not your primal type. And you're not my, pri- you're actually much closer to my, my primal type than I am to yours. But what I realized about myself, and I noticed this watching Jack Loudon or whatever his name is, is like, I think my ultimate fucking type are just these little blonde bitch boys. And I don't know what, oh my God, do you think it's like self-hating Jew? Do you think that's part of what it is? Tell me your feelings about Ralph the post boy out of The Sound of Music. Did nothing for me. Oh, phew. Okay. But maybe... You know, what about the boy who stands up and sings Tomorrow, tomorrow belongs, belongs to Me? In no, 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 you're going Aryan, and actually, there's that other character, some Spider Web or whatever. There's this character uh, named Spider Web in the show, he's full Aryan look, and full Aryan isn't doing it to me. It's more like let's go surfing now, everybody's learning, learning how it's like I'm a little rugged and I'm a little surfery, and I'm learning it now because of Jack Loudon, if that's how his name is pronounced. Um. When you're watching Slow Horses, d- does any of you go on a little daydream about being tapped up to become a spy? Oh, no. I you, you never wouldn't have. Be, you wouldn't be good at No, it. I, a lot of my fantasies like that, they tend to involve athletics. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get scouted and play for the LA Lakers. Oh, I think, but do you know what my truth is? I don't want to play for the Lakers. I want to be one of the dancers in the middle. <laughs> um I, I don't know that you have the necessary attributes to be an athlete or a spy. I think you're very good at lying. You're a real liar. Yeah. But you're not very good at keeping anything to yourself. I, I think it's it really is that I couldn't come home to you and tell you what I'd done that day. Yes. Or bitch about my coworkers. Also an ability that I don't think either of us particularly have that I see at play in this show mm-hmm. is... There's almost like this trading of information, but you're holding your cards close to your chest like it's a negotiation. I think both you and I think we're pretty good on people and the psychology of people mm-hmm. and how they're going to act in any given situation. Mm-hmm. I think what neither of us have is the chess game thing of thinking how somebody will react more than one move into the future. No, that's incredible. I started playing chess this week. I'm 44 and I've just started playing. And and you like it. Yeah, but here's what I learned about chess. Hi, are you listening? Have you never played chess before? Listen to these two facts I learned because it was mind-blowing to me and I get it now. In chess, no luck is involved. And number two, no hidden factors at play. And I thought, that is a game worthy of being the finest game that anyone ever plays. Maybe you'll become a chess master in old age. Do you know what? I wouldn't mind it. Like when people are into their studio, you know, I don't like to learn new things, but I thought, I wonder if this could be good for my brain. Some some friends tried to rope me into a dance class recently and they were like, it's actually really good for your brain and like um, fighting Alzheimer's because you're learning new moves. And I was like, is this going to make me feel like a star? Oh no, I'm just towards the back <laughs> with the other bitches. Please, I'll get on with my Peloton videos alone on a mat. Unless I'm not getting treated like the number one girl in the class. The plot across this series one of Slow Horses is a British Muslim boy is captured by far-right extremists. 
I was thinking about how these days were very nuanced in our presentation of baddies and villains. And we usually, well, it's not sympathising with them. We are encouraged by sophisticated writing to have some kind of empathy. Not so much with the far right, I've noticed. They are the last vestige of the black and white baddie, somewhat ironically. <laughs> yeah, like even pedophiles now, people are like, let's think about the trauma that yep, brought them there. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, this young boy who's kidnapped is a fledgling comedian. Did you watch that and think, oh, my God, I hope someone kidnaps me and threatens to execute me live on camera. That that could do wonders for my career. Do you know what? I think I would prefer that to like, like my greatest fear, which I shouldn't be afraid of, but my greatest fear is being offered. Get me out of here. I'm a celebrity or whatever. Because you couldn't turn it down. Because you can't because turn it down. Because of what it, it could down. do for your career. It could just like, we'd just be in a different position. And because of my surprising populist appeal i think people would be very happy when they showed up to see me but um but, but I, also they would enjoy torturing you by making you get in a tunnel full of worms and, yeah and and or or that or um bungee jump or whatever like yeah. that kind of stuff and then it can don't you also get like really cold and hungry yeah i think people lose a lot of weight doing that show they said look like i want to in trousers <laughs> shirt tucked in gary oldman's character is no nonsense long in the tooth no bullshit, truth teller. I don't enjoy being around that type of person. I want someone who's going to soft soap me. Yeah, all it ever means that they ha- is that they have like social problems. Like that's all that ever is. Don't you think just telling the truth is only that you you have some kind of inability to read a room? Did you feel like you were watching yourself represented on screen? No. Because every time they did a close-up on his feet, he had holes in his socks. Let me tell you something. My underpants have started developing holes. Because you're big balls. That's why you're big, heavy balls. It's too much for the fabric. Mm. Boom. <laughs> They're not light balls. They're like, I, I've been around a lot of balls. <laughs> and I feel there's a density to yours that is like really wears through i'm not fucking wearing out the bottom of my underpants with my labes no you and your big balls are fucking scrub-a-dubbing i'm not sure if that's meant as a compliment but i am gonna take it as well well i'll tell you what it's not meant as an insult it's just a neutral (laughs) statement heavy balls oh do you have any um prior knowledge of the number of wives that gary oldman has had i don't but it's either one or it's many. I think it's like seven or something, really? or like six, something like that. And the, the same first, as Henry the Eighth. Yes, but probably have, it's, maybe it's like five. The first one was Leslie Manville, mm-hmm. and the second was Uma Thurman. What? And then I stopped caring. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a taste taste for the famous lady, but then he's back onto the normals. Is that what? No, you're they're saying? probably not normals. Here's the thing: I think if you wind up with like a minimum five wives, normalcy is not quite what you're chasing. <laughs> That's not what you got an appetite for. I also part of what about this show is so great. So it's written by Will Smith, not that one. Who's done some Veep? He's like a Veep guy, and he's yeah, thick of it. He's he was like in knocking the thick around. Of it. In this group and whatever it is that it could feel like, like specifically with Gary Oldman, you know, for those of us who are chasing little whiffs of succession in different ways, it had a little bit of the Logan writing stuff that the succession writers team had written. And it's so magical. It's really, really good. I'm excited for season two. And then season three. So we can only anticipate it will be amazing. But write into us and confirm that for us. Have you ever been put off something just by the title? Which I do think that was 90% of what was holding me back with Slow Horses. I remember it took me forever to see Billy Elliot. Because I was like, why do I want to see something called Billy Elliot? Like, in I guess that's England and it looks terrible. Where's Buckingham Palace? (laughs) 
Oh, and we mentioned on a previous episode that was my reaction to Colin from Accounts. Yes. I assumed it was a subpar office knockoff when that's that's not, not its deal it at all. Also, I, I always like coming to things late stories. If you've really held out while the rest of the world has been telling you something is excellent, what is that in you? Is it, can't tell me what to do. <sighs> Interesting. I mean, you've come to Doctor Who 60 years late. Yeah. I think I used to have a lot of that in me. I don't think it was about... Yeah, it probably was. I was. Yeah, actually it was. I was trying to use it as a personality quirk. Our email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next, you're going to love our guests this week. The Williams brothers, Harry and Jack. They are creators of Boat Story. And adorable darlings to boot. To boat! They too much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I was so ready for it to not be for me. And then the pure quality and excellence of every aspect made me go like, oh, this is the new fantastic thing. Amazing. Oh, man. We like that. Can I actually just compliment you on how gracious you were in taking that over-the-top American compliment? Oh, we love compliments. What we're left good at is giving them. We, we do sometimes meet an actor or a writer or a director we really admire, and we find it really hard to say, by the way, I think you're good. And do you think it's more extreme for you than your average countrymen and countrywomen? I'd, I'd say we're on the lower end oh, of the yeah. spectrum. I think, Harry, you're better than me at it. But this this seems like you could deploy it as a psychological <laughs> trick, you know, like a, a pickup artist who deliberately... <laughs> treats them mean to keep them keen because all this talent is is you to people being sycophantic i mean hasn't really worked so far but it, it might one day you never know there's been so many instances where people go oh what do you do what are we go oh we're a writer they go what show and then he lists the shows and they go ah, oh yeah i saw that and then they move on and you're like i oh, saw that any compliment yeah. <laughs> like nobody surely nobody just says i saw that 
Yeah, I've had, I've had that. The other one is you list them all, and then there's a long pause, and they go, "I don't, I don't actually watch TV." And you go, "Why the fuck did you ask me?" <laughs> Great. Okay, I've just you know danced for you humiliatingly for a good minute and a half listing my CV. <laughs> so something that we're all guilty of on this call at the moment is um, you two are brothers, family members who work together. We're husband and wife. We work together. What do you guys think of is the hierarchy of embarrassing family work relationships? So. I'll go first. I think most embarrassing is a child working with a parent. I think husband and wife is next. And I think actually working with a sibling is the most passable option. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, cousins is next, isn't it? Because that's like cousins, whatever, you can marry your cousins. So it sort of doesn't even really count. Did one of you bring the other one along or was it an equitable beginning? I, I think I was always keener to write than Harry. You wanted to make music and then you wanted to be an actor. And then finally yeah. he came to my thing. I felt like those things. And turned out to be really good at it, which is really annoying. Um, yeah, I, I was always saying, we should write together. And we always did, didn't we? We did. And we wrote songs and then we wrote we wrote a book. And then we sort of wrote, both wrote sitcoms independently of each other and kind of brought each other in on each other's shows to kind of try and make them funnier. I wrote a sitcom that Dawn French was attached to when I was 25 about wedding planners who run a business together, but they're getting divorced. It's pretty good. Come on, guys. That's fantastic. <laughs> no one? Uh, it hasn't seen the light of day. You can draw your own conclusions as to why, nonetheless. These things could take time. Yeah. <laughs> These, you never know. It might be its time. And she kept saying, make it funnier, make it funnier. So I got Harry involved and I was like, can you help me make it funnier? And I came in with episode two of this script and said, here it is. And she went... I have only one thing to say. Never work with your brother again. Wow. Wait, did you pass so... that feedback on to Harry? <laughs> I think you did, actually. I well, did. most of the jokes she liked were actually his jokes, so I don't feel too bad. But it was still pretty, pretty painful. That she disliked. One. You're right. The one, the one she hated, there were a lot of sex jokes. And I'd written them all. And she's like, your brother is, is a young girl, I can tell. And I was like... He's I, I obviously mad. threw him under the I bus. Mean... But, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's what? disgusting. How, how helpful is the note to make it funnier? Oh man, <laughs> it's hard it's not... on that. So you get it, you get it a lot, though, don't you? It's like saying be better or do like yeah. I was already trying to be funny. I clearly failing. <laughs> it's not that I wasn't trying. It's not like I went. Oh, oh yeah, it's a comedy. I forgot. Great, I'll write some jokes then. But then you know we did a load of comedies after that. One of our first reviews bought family and didn't it? The first sitcom we wrote on BBC Two. One of the first reviews we ever got. We we opened it up and it said Harry and Jack Williams are sons of. BAFTA and Golden Globe winning writer Nigel Williams, but they have inherited none of his talent, was the first line. And we're sitting there with our dad, and he was like, Ooh. <laughs> he was like the best review <laughs> ever got. <laughs> he, was, he was not displeased with this. Um, and fair enough. <laughs> well, they like me. So mean, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's easy baby. to be mean, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, it's easy to be mean. It's easy to be mean, and it's funny. You know, being mean can be funny. Uh, but that's, like, maybe an unnecessary joke. We were quite young, and it was quite... Uh, Quite painful. I, I do know that the other review we got that compared our, our show, Roman's Empire, to Stepping in Dog Shit, I do know he went on to be a story <laughs> editor on Emmerdale and didn't do very well. You requested a, a graph of the ratings during his entire tenure. <laughs> 
I watched it just like a boo from my yeah. couch. Boo. <laughs> I mean, it's pathetic, isn't it? And do you have a more healthy relationship with reviews now? Because a lot of people just won't look at them. Uh, we didn't for a little bit. Uh, we do now. Now they're a bit better. I mean, there was a long period where they were really, really awful. I think we, we, at that point we were like, well, maybe we're just not funny and we should try and not be funny. So we just stopped making jokes altogether. Not in our personal lives. That would be exciting. No, that would be weird. In our, in our work. We didn't, we weren't like monks. We didn't take a vow of no. you know, sensibleness. But um, I, I've got this theory. Tell me what you make of this. I think people from a comedy background often end up doing well in drama because you're so conscious of everything landing. Just it's, it's, it's part of your instinct not to allow any slack in there. I think so. Look at the number of actors, like comedic actors, who then go serious and they're really, really good. Because comedy is kind of harder. You not only have to be convincing, you also have to have the rhythm of what's funny and what's not. And I just think they're the same skills, but comedy kind of involves more of them. Um, When you guys are working together, is it just preferable in part because you can be so much more abrupt with each other than you can be if you're talking to a non-family member? Yeah, there's definitely like a shorthand. uh, And if you're trying to figure something out, you just have instant feedback and it's like tennis. You sort of shape a thing 10 times quicker than you would if you're on your own. Uh, and yeah, we've got our wives when they're with us, they don't understand what we're saying to each other. Cause we'd sort of speak in half sentences and grunts. Uh, and it's just easier. Cause you know, as kids, we had, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> talk like that. I didn't uh, understand that. But yeah, it's, it's better. Was there a favorite growing up amongst us? Yeah, because we have an older brother. Well, we have we have a third, a third brother. A, oh a third brother. shit! Come Is on. he excluded? Is Come he? On. <laughs> <laughs> My on coffee is cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and he's he's the eldest. He's and the then eldest. Yeah. Does he feel excluded? I mean, look, there's a world where us calling our production company Two Brothers Pictures might have left him feeling excluded. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm now aware of this. Um, in a way that I perhaps should have been when we named it. Uh, so not not ideal. Um, sure. But he's like the black sheep of the family. He does documentaries. And he does them very well. He does some uh, grand designs with Kevin MacLeod, which I love. I bet Dawn French would have loved his stuff. <laughs> yeah. She's They're a doing show together grand designs fan. <laughs> Will you tell us about how you write? Are you sitting at a desk together? What, how does it work? Harry's always lying down. Yes, I think when, I am. When we're yes. writing. <laughs> <laughs> we tend to like storyline in the same room. And then go for walks and just chat through the ideas and the characters and what the whole thing's supposed to be about. And then sort of putting it together into a, a structure and a scene by scene. And that just takes 95% of the time. And then we sit down, divide it up, write each half and then swap it over. Harry, do you actually write in a horizontal position and then you prop your laptop up? I tend to, yeah, I like doing that. I like writing in bed, actually. There's something about like sitting at a desk with a thing where I'm like, this feels a lot like work. Whereas if I'm lying down, I'm having a nice time. We're just writing a nice show. <laughs> having a good time. I can lull my sense into this false sense that uh, it's not work. And actually it's just bit of fun which is what it should be <laughs> um i want to circle back to your sort of inability to compliment here for a second i know that you were very very involved in fleabag that was your show and how if you're kind of like oh we're not good at compliments to get phoebe waller bridge after this unbelievable edinburgh success how did you do that we actually met her before she had done the play so we met her for a drink and she had written the first few paragraphs of a monologue 
which was massive asshole opening to Fleabag. And we were like, that's fucking great. We love you. Let's turn that into something. And how much did that show change the type of meetings you were able to get? Not as much as you'd think, to be quite honest. Because, because it's, it's the hmm. show that every, you know, it, it's become shorthand for we're, we're looking for the next. It was, that genre. was quite funny to yeah. see because we had trouble selling it, to be honest, even though so she got so tired of developing the TV show, she wrote the play, which was much more sellable and better. But even then, when we sent it off, you know, the notes came back. They were like, oh, we're not sure about this. Can't you just have a... Didn't they say, can't you just have a boyfriend of the week? And we were like, I'm not passing that note on. That's the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> no, good luck with that. Are you telling me that some television executives were unable to spot a hit <laughs> under their nose um, and then presumably claimed a lot of credit for it afterwards? <laughs> It's the first time it's happened, so I'm I'm (laughs) pleased to share this sole example. (laughs) It was, and then, so having said it's too weird and it's unusual and the time's all over the place and is she likeable? All those things came back and having made a pilot for, uh, you know, not very much money because they weren't sure about it. Yeah, it was quite strange within six months to hear, we'd like the next flea bag and you kind of think, oh, you didn't really want it at the time. It doesn't doesn't change people's minds, does it? Because then they just want more shows like that and that's not the interest for us. I really hate having to chase the next thing or we want more like this. It's really frustrating. And and then I'm guessing having done something that was so innovative and form-breaking, that makes it easier to talk about boat story which is so much its own thing stylistically i mean even now it feels sort of odd to me to see something like that on bbc one so yeah i mean it was sort of it was a few different things that sort of helped us get to that point so so after Fleabag, I'd been developing a show with Jack and Daisy called Back to Life that we got away and oh, the bbc I loved that, that was yours that's a fantastic show um, so yeah, so getting that away sort of helped uh-huh. us certainly put her in the lead. When you start a new show, you have a woman who's this age, and there's a list of people who come back, and it's it's always kind of the same list. List. So having done that, it made it much easier to then put her in in the lead and make it feel a bit fresh and like something a bit new. And, and in the rest of the world, it's Amazon the platform for it. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Amazon in the US uh, for both story, and I think various other ones. Like it's one that also all yeah. over the place. So, so do you have one commissioner or one executive that you talk to, or do, do notes come in from all those places? It's usually the if the money's coming from England and America, it's usually the way. So you'll have someone at, at the BBC and uh, a couple of people at, at Amazon Freebie. It was and like in the case of this, they were great and just supportive. And sometimes, like in the case of the tourist, it can be quite difficult. I think we had quite conflicting notes from America and England, which which is usual and can be a bit tricky how do you navigate that then yeah who's who's the diplomat out of the two of you i think with, with things like tourist boats there's a lot more of us in it so if one channel doesn't like a certain thing that we're really passionate about we'll both get on the phone with them and argue our point and try and push that through uh, and then it'll get to the point where they'll be like oh we'll just do our own version kind of fuck you basically and we'll be like uh it's sort of uh, a bit of a standoff kind of thing i think we're normally quite united but i'm a kind of a people pleaser and i kind of want everyone to like me and harry's much more like shut up it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you have an impulse to throw the other one under the bus in a meeting situation? We've never done it. And in fact, we in our producing career, we worked with uh, a pair of writers and we'd go, oh, we like that. And they'd go, see, 
Don't point at feet. That was my joke. Oh, that was like my one. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa, guys. It literally, they would swear at the other one and go, that they was my idea. They each other. It was so it was unhealthy. And kind of hilarious, but ridiculous. <laughs> Am I right in thinking, based on what you were saying about Daisy Haggard before, did you write this with her in mind? Yeah, so we we go way back. We did an animated show called Full English, and she was in that, and we became very good friends. So yeah, she's just one of those talents that we love and wanted to write for. And this Sarah, Sarah t- thinks she's the Olivia Coleman. I waiting. do. You think, I, you think I think so do I. I think Hollywood's going to so call I. because yeah. it's crazy. Totally. The combination of how good she is with comedy, and then oh, yeah. do you want to cry also? Not a pro- like. I almost can't look yeah, at her totally. now without just sobbing because she's so good, and I really hope she's oh, a nice man. person. She's beyond nice. She's beyond that. Ni- you can tell looking at her face. She's a nice lady. <laughs> she's never not try. Like she'll come out, talk to everyone, make sure everyone's like, like make sure all the actors she's working with feel comfortable. She'll run lines for scenes she's not in. I totally agree. This would be hopefully really good for her because people are seeing just how amazing she is. And so many um, things that wouldn't have worked without her. So in episode two, she yeah. comes back. And she's doing a Russian accent. And we'd written the scene, in which, which wasn't Russian, actually. I think she's a different nationality. And when she was on board, we changed it and made her no longer dress up and do an accent. She went, why did you change that? We were like, because well, we're worried it'll be shit. And she went, no, one. I'll do a Russian accent. It'll be great. And we went, are you sure? It's kind of weird. And until we shot it, we're like, is this like the worst thing we've ever done? And since she does it, you go, oh, it's really good. But entirely oh. for her. Otherwise, we'd have cut it. And, uh, and Shaki Cario, he's, he's been in a number of your things now. He was Baptiste, and then he was Baptiste before that in The Missing. Uh, he's, he's the tailor in Boat Story. Do you feel like you're at a point that Wes Anderson is at with Bill Murray that you now have to just put him in things almost for superstitious reasons? <laughs> him, we, we are a him, and him and Dari, Dari as well, who does the voiceover, the uh, large Icelandic right. guy from who was a missing and show we did called The Widow. And I, I love that guy so much. He's so he's and he's so nice. You need to be held by him for more than five seconds, and, <laughs> and it's wonderful. You feel okay. no, nothing yeah. can go wrong when you're in his warm and bear-like embrace. <laughs> I um I don't want to get too spoilery just for anyone who hasn't watched all of it yet. But what I'll say is there's a play within the show that involves Samuel selling his life rights. Can you talk about how you do that? How do you know that it's going to work and not feel like a sort of tacked on extraneous piece? (laughs) We were actually sort of terrified because everyone around us was like, really? When the guy came in with the fake bald head, which was like 10 times bigger than a normal human head. uh, (laughs) He was actually, we asked him to shave his head and... Uh, his agent was like, no, he won't show his head. So we're like, okay, we'll put the ball cap <laughs> yeah. on. We put a ball cap on him. It took four hours in makeup and he hated it. He came in and goes, can I now shave my head? We're like, no, we've shot on you for a <laughs> we day. We filmed you with the big head. <laughs> We'd have paid him like 500 quid to shave his head and he refused. So sorry, oh. Jason. Oh, well, I feel like uh, we just got a great nugget of information that the going rate for a head shave is 500 quid. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, bad. Exactly. I think I'd do that. <laughs> Yeah. Not much of it's it right, anyway. I'd probably get less for mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was very hard, wasn't it? When we first came up with it, the first scene, we just had an idea that we'd be in a prison yard and people talking really badly and you'd suddenly be watching it in episode two and have no idea why it was so bad and it's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And then after two pages, you'd reveal that actually it was a play. And for some reason, that really stuck with us. It just sort of felt like such a fun device. Do you uh, do you have any no-nos as writers, things that we will never see in a show of yours? Uh, no, I wouldn't I don't say think so, so. Do we? No, I think anything goes. I think, you know, uh, intercourse isn't my best thing to write. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I just find it really awkward to write and talk about and shoot. So 
when it comes to sexing, that's Harry's department because he can't get enough of it. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dom French. I'm going with all the sex yeah. jokes, don't I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we let you go, can you both tell us what you're watching at the moment, what we should be watching? I've been watching uh, the new series of For All Mankind, which is surprisingly good if you haven't seen it. Why don't you tell Jack what you thought of For All Mankind? <laughs> Everyone has said that it was fantastic, but I've got something going on with me where when emaciated women get put on screen now, I immediately shut down. Give me a beautiful woman. I want to look at beautiful people on screen, yeah. but when they get so thin, I can't, and it was like, it was, so, what else was my problem? You thought it was completely humorless. Yeah, it was humorless. Okay, it is yeah. very humorless. It's very sincere. It, it gets better, I will say. That's but what this, everyone I'm, says I'm, it gets better. So I have been watching that. What are you watching, Harry? The Bear is the last series that I've been watching, which I really enjoyed, actually. It's kind of, it's very consumable, isn't it? Half hour, there's not much of a commitment. Anything that isn't drama, like straight drama, we find it a bit hard to watch because when you write it all day long, sometimes it's not what you feel like to to wind down, sadly. Does that extend to comedy? No, Yeah, that's much. why I, pre- well, I find just documentary in a way because anything with a story, it just sort of feels a bit like work or you start thinking about work. Um, but I'm waiting for Severance to come back. That, oh, yeah, that'll be... Thing. Oh, yeah. Love that. That was amazing. Do you get into um, reality TV ever? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Married at first sight. Anything sort of brainless, anything you can turn your brain off a little bit for is great. And talk during, that can be quite fun. Just feels like too much of a part-time job, Married at First Sight, though. There's so much of it. There's too much. I feel like yeah. I need to take a sabbatical to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Found episode 42. <laughs> they are definitely running out of steam. <laughs> talk about the unspoken feeling that I, th- I think that all four of us were experiencing towards the end of that interview then but what if what if we're gonna what if it was just it was us just, it's very vulnerable, so vulnerable but maybe they'll never hear it but we, we didn't I, want it to end it's like the end and, of first date and, and we didn't think they wanted it to end either and and i think we thought that if just one of us had said hey should we all go out for dinner one time the rest would have gone, yeah, let's do it. And we would have had a great old night. I know, but I just don't think I can handle being that vulnerable at this stage in my life. Okay. Can I do our first email today? Please do. So this is a follow-up from Roy Perez, friend of the pod. Once I realized that we weren't going to get any more Mads Mickelson moments, I received another email from Roy, who wrote in with one of the initial Mad Mickelson moments and said, please let me know if you have any follow-up questions. I went, Roy, you know, I do. So this is an exchange between Roy and I where I'm asking questions and he's giving me my answers. I wrote, did you meet his wife or other family members? Roy wrote, no. I wrote, were the trousers, because if you don't remember, Roy helped, had to help Mads Mickelson into his trousers. So I wrote to Roy, were the trousers button fly or zipper? And did you have to actually do up the buttons or the zipper? And Roy wrote, it was a zipper and it was worse because it caught at one point. And I remember thinking, don't touch his dick. Just don't touch his dick. <laughs> don't touch his dick. Just don't touch his dick. I wrote, can you recall any piece of dialogue? And Roy said, only that I made a joke which didn't land. I said that he had cool rings and he pointed to one he had to bleach recently to clean it. And I laughed because he would basically said he'd bleached his ring. Very funny. That is funny. I had to read that a few times, but he means his butthole, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but then Mads Mikkelsen gave him nothing back. And Roy concludes, I felt very uncool. 
Happy weekend. Kiss. This is the first concerning thing I've heard about Mads Mikkelsen, because in that situation where somebody makes a joke, don't you just feign laughter anyway to try and make them feel better about themselves? Yes, but I want to say that we all know I'm so amazing. And I was like, wait, he'd bleached his ring. He'd bleached his ring. He, like, I had it in email form and I did about five minutes to be like, his butthole. So do you not use the word ring piece? No. Interesting. So maybe the, the Danes don't use it either. Anyway, Roy, thank you so much. And I don't think, I get the impression that you, you no longer are going to have any Mads Mikkelsen moments, but if ever you do, you know where to come to. This comes from Chloe Wittert, who says, Hi, Firecrutch and Normcore. I write to you as an avid listener and disciple of your opinions. Thank you, Chloe. You've always wanted disciples, well, haven't you? Look, it's working. Please can you watch all the crap Netflix Christmas films they keep suggesting I'd like and tell me if any of them are worth my very cheap time. It feels very much like they take a Woody Allen stroke monkey typewriter's approach to Christmas films. I haven't seen anything that looks remotely good or heard anything good about any of these. Here's what I'll say to you, Chloe. First of all, thank you for the request. We are working on a fun and festive Christmas episode for you for next week, our last podcast before Christmas. This isn't the direction we're thinking of going, but if what we have planned falls through, then maybe we would. I I tend to think... We love Christmas. We we oh. love the run up to Christmas. Mm. But I tend to think the things to watch are the ones you've heard of. It's the classics, even if they're kind of a bit rubbish, like Love Actually. Yes. And we tried something new. I think it was last year. It was that Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell thing. Oh. And it was horrendous. And it felt like, well, fuck us for trying something new. They do arrive from time to time, new Christmas classics, but you, you, you can't force it. No. Chloe, thank you. And there is a PS from Chloe, Jeff. I am the youngest of seven kids with four older brothers, six to 12 years older. I was therefore exposed to a lot of films that were not suitable for my age. The ick was put in me by the Matrix scene where Keanu's mouth sealed over. I spent several weeks with my mouth open to avoid a similar fate. Do you know, I only saw The Matrix for the first time in the last five years. And I think because of the way, A, it's dated, and B, it's become so referenced in pop culture, it felt so bad as to be almost comical to me. The sunglasses and those long those Leather long coats. coats and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a friend, this will mean nothing to you, Sarah, but um, with the thing about Keanu's mouth being sealed over, I have a friend who is phobic of Zippy from Rainbow because the way they used to zip his mouth up. It was a puppet on a kid's show, but Uh it it, it looked a bit like, um, I don't know, furry gimp costume. Sure. I don't have that, but I understand what is going on for someone who has a real problem with it. This next email is from friend of the pod, Josh Moritz, who in our succession days was known as Disgustabus. Did we see Disgustabus in the park? That's who we saw in the park. Josh, we thought we saw you. Well, I don't know. Jeff is face blind. So it's hard for me. So so that could have been somebody I worked with for 20 years or it could have been somebody I met once at the school gates. I, I, I find it very hard to distinguish. But... I thought it was you discussed a bus. Anyway, if that was you, it was nice to see you. I hope that we were relating to each other in a nice way and not yelling at each other. Josh writes, Dear FC and NC, I wondered if they like to watch could offer a detective style service in enabling listeners to find shows that they half remember from childhood. 
So are we are we crowdsourcing here? Is this the idea that we're tapping into the collective hive mind? Yes. To see if we can identify yes. something from, from vague details. So Josh is remembered sort of, details. Exactly. So Josh is saying that, you know, he's and he's gonna give us an example here, but if any of us have these things where it's like, wait, 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 there was the show or da 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 does anyone and we try and get it for you. So um Josh continues, if so. May I submit the following? This show, which of course he can't name, sticks in my memory to this day, but only in specific scenes and no amount of Googling or asking has allowed me to track it down. It would have been on terrestrial. That word is hard. Terrestrial. Terrestrial. Wow. It would have been on terrestrial television. Do you you talk about this is something I've wondered if (laughs) one of these weird British things. Do you describe in America TV, which isn't cable or satellite as terrestrial? No. I can't say the word. Yeah. It would have been on terrestrial television yeah. between roughly 1997 <laughs> and 2001. Oh, that's funny. You should do stand up about that. Terrestrial. Okay. It's like Olympic sized swimming pools. So much like just British stuff in my set. Anyway. Okay. So this is it. Everyone, listen in. We need to do this for Josh. So this is it. A British drama, possibly ITV where some white-collar workers have committed some kind of financial crime and also owe money to an organized crime leader who in one scene is seen as a doting grandfather with his children, but then is also seen as a ruthless criminal boss who shows no mercy. There is one scene where the white-collar workers are raided by the police in their office but feel a sense of relief at the prospect of going to jail to avoid their inevitable death at the hands of the grandfather-slash-criminal. You then see a later scene where one of the workers is in prison and says cheerily to an inmate, things could be worse, only to find out that the grandfather slash criminal has committed a crime to get himself into the same prison so that he can murder him. All right, guys, any of you, this would be the Christmas miracle (laughs) if we can work this out for Josh. Is this ringing a bell for anyone? Josh concludes, wishing you both well over the festive period. Thank you, Josh. Come on, team. Let's show it. him we can do it. For Josh, let's... Let's give him his Christmas miracle. Let's come through for Josh at Christmas time. And do let us know what kind of couple energy we were giving <laughs> off in the park, Josh. Do you think that's nice for the podcast listeners to know that we go for a, a perambulate around the park? Of a day, yeah, and I, th- I think more often than not, we're in a nice mood with each other if we're if we decided to go on a little walk together. Were we holding hands? I always want to hold hands. You're less of a fan. No, I like it. I just feel it's embarrassing if people spot us together. It I looks like do you think it looks too cheesy or it's. I sweet? don't care. I don't. When you mean people, you don't mean listeners. No, I mean like school parents. I should only be proud. It means we're a sweet couple who still holds hands after all these years. Yeah. Helen Jones thinks we should watch. A Murder at the End of the World, uh-huh. which she describes as an engrossing and addictive murder mystery. Sounds good. Isabel thinks we should watch Strange Planet. She was very sort of apologetic because it is a cartoon, um, which she says is about an alien race on another planet, but it's really about humans on Earth presented from an outsider's perspective. Lizzie Pollitt, friend of the pod, thinks we should watch Friends from College. Is Keegan-Michael Key in that? Lizzie, if he is, I think I watched one episode and I didn't die for it, but I didn't die for Slow Horses when I watched half of an episode. Sometimes I need to just be more patient with these things. Send us your recommendations, please. And your correspondence, Christmas e-cards. Help us give Josh a Christmas miracle. All of the above and more, please, too. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. 
This week, Jack Williams of the Williams Brothers like to watch For All Mankind on Apple TV and Severance on Apple TV. The Williams Brothers' Harry Williams likes to watch The Bear on Disney Plus and Married at First Sight on Channel 4. Sarah liked to watch Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty on HBO and Sky TV. I like to watch Doctor Who on BBC One, BBC iPlayer. And we like to watch Slow Horses on Apple TV+. We finally got there. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ding-dong-ding. Woo-woo! Are you Christmas people? Do you love the buildup? I fucking love the buildup. If it makes you feel lonely or sad, I completely get that. Because this is what you do when your life grinds to a halt. We thought this this weekend a little bit. You think, oh, look at all the other happy people in the pub having their nice weekend. And they're filled with pain, too. Just remember they're filled with pain. You're not alone. Why don't you tell them about that doctor you saw the other night after she finished the shift at the hospital? (gasps) So I saw this doctor who had seen at the hospital and she's a fucking, you know, I know how I sound, but she's, you're watching her and you're going, this is a, you're a hero and this is what real heroes look like. And and, 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 and you'd seen her throughout this long, long weekend, long days. Yes. Yes. And I sort of had some awareness that she was leaving the hospital. And um, I went for some air. And I walked past the McDonald's and I just saw her standing in the queue waiting to order her McDonald's at like 11.45 at night. And I almost burst into tears. <laughs> it was so nice. And she's just some doctor fucking putting in these 16-hour days and going for her McDonald's. And it's beautiful, but it's sad. If you want to have a beautiful and sad Christmas, we're here with you. We're here with that doctor and her Mickey D's. And I'll sing you out with a big carol on our next episode. Bye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.